up, Bitcoiners? It's your boy CK, and this is another episode of Bitcoin Magazine Podcast. Today, I sat down with Udi, Udi from Twitter, uh, the king of trolls, uh, the man who invented Have Fun Staying Poor, the fantastic meme that has been going around and used heavily in the Bitcoin and crypto spaces. Um, and y'all, uh, this was a lot of fun. It was a great conversation. Uh, both Udi and I are so bullish on Bitcoin that we're not really too concerned about altcoins. This is an opinion that I would say is an unpopular opinion amongst most Bitcoiners. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Udi and I, we think Bitcoin's going to be fine. And we think that altcoiners are altcoins, not altcoiners, but altcoins can help onboard people into the crypto ecosystem, into Bitcoin itself. Uh, so uh, we had a lot of different points kind of like discussing this nuanced topic. I want to hear from all the Bitcoiners listening. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do we bring up any salient points? Uh, what is your opinion? Is there someone who can come on the show and uh, defend a hardcore, maximalist, unapologetic uh, stance? Uh, so I want to hear what you guys think about this show. It's going to be a little bit more controversial to the hardcore Bitcoiners out there. Uh, I personally think I'm a hardcore Bitcoiner and uh, that you don't need to be worried about uh, some of these alternatives. They are not a threat to Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy this show. Peace. Bitcoiners, um, I'm sitting across the screen from the infamous Udi. Udi, welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for pronouncing my name correctly. Yes, I, I didn't say your last what? name because I was scared of not saying it correctly, but Worthmeyer, is that right? I would say Wertheimer, but I, I mean, I don't even... Yeah, why not? Okay, <laughs> I'm just going to say... Udi. That's not how I so... pronounce it in Hebrew, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, well... Um... One time I, uh, in high school, I was in charge of announcing all the swimmers at a swim meet at, for our high school, and all of them are Asian, and uh, I could not pronounce any of their last names. It was really, really bad. <laughs> Just sitting there trying to announce uh, these really, you know, Chinese, Korean, uh, Japanese last names and just butchering all of them. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, Udi, uh, you came yes. onto this show. We actually, you know, before just talking about the show, we uh, we got to, you know, hang out a little bit in Miami. Uh, we've we've had the opportunity of meeting a couple of times around the globe, uh, as Bitcoiners right. often do. Uh, but man, it was great seeing you in Miami. It was great, you know, hanging out with all the Bens. Uh, you know, I think like it was me, you, and like seven <laughs> Bens, um, which you know, just like Twitter, pretty much. But yeah, how how was the That's, trip for yeah. you? Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Miami was really great. I mean, Bitcoin Magazine did a great job there. It was something else. It was huge. So many people. The atmosphere, huge. man, of 12,000 Bitcoiners or I don't even know how many people were there. It's crazy. Would you, would you consider all 12,000 Bitcoiners? Year. What's that? Would you consider all 12,000 Bitcoiners? Because I feel like that's what yeah. kind of the root of this uh, conversation is. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they went to a Bitcoin conference, right? Like, what, what else would you call them? Yeah, I think I would. I so, Udi, I asked you to come on the show because 
you and I, I think we have a little bit more loose definition of like the Bitcoin ecosystem. And, uh, you know, we're not afraid to, uh, to, you know, talk about and, and maybe even see how some of the altcoins and alt infrastructure play into Bitcoin as a whole. Um, I'm curious, are shitcoiners Bitcoiners if they hold Bitcoin? Well, I think, yeah, I think anyone who holds Bitcoin, I would say, is probably a Bitcoiner. Otherwise, I don't know how, how to define them. Like, I guess there are a bunch of people who think that a Bitcoiner is only a Bitcoiner if um, they, I mean, if they only hold Bitcoin. But what does that mean? Like, is that supposed to be like the only asset you own? Can you not own a house? Are you allowed to own a car? Are you not a Bitcoin if you own a car? What's going like? What's the where's the line? And then sometimes it may sometimes even that's not enough. Like sometimes perhaps someone really only you know what I know a few people who only own Bitcoin. They do not own anything else, literally. And like they they maybe like two T-shirts. <laughs> that's it. But they mention sometimes they mention like Litecoin. So. Are they not Bitcoiners either because they talked about Litecoin for two minutes? Because it, some people think if, you, if you're a Bitcoiner, you, you have to only own Bitcoin, nothing else. And you have to not mention anything else either. You cannot talk about those things. They, it's as if they do not exist. And if they're brought to your attention, you have to like completely distance yourself from them as soon as possible to make sure that no one thinks that maybe, um, I don't know, maybe you looked at them once, <laughs> that would be bad. So yeah, I think that's a pretty odd definition and probably most people who hold Bitcoin do not subscribe to that belief, probably. So I don't think it's a very good one. So it's funny that you say that and at the same time, you're wearing a shirt that says Toxic Maximus on it. Yes. I don't know. Are we, are we in video or am I just yeah, no, for, for no full, reason? Full video. Full video. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> the, the so top, yeah. The, Part of it is kind of cut off because we're looking at your face, but it's fine. Yes, <laughs> it's this toxic maximalist. It is a good shirt, and you know, I think that the the, the thing about so-called toxic maximalism—I mean, this thing has been going on for a while—and I think you know, a lot of people probably don't even know the origins because they weren't around, which is which is fine. But I mean, I, I believe that the origin of the term Bitcoin maximalist was from a blog post by Vitalik Buterin way back when, around when Ethereum started. Um, I believe it was even before Ethereum launched, if I recall correctly, maybe soon after. And Bitcoin maximalists was... were calling it a, a scam before it even launched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, didn't turn out very well for them. <laughs> but yeah. I mean... Imagine that you had the opportunity to, uh, you know, to invest in Ethereum in the pre-sale, and you decided to call it a scam, and you said that anyone who will invest in it in the pre-sale will be scammed, and you miss out on like ten thousand x gains or whatever, compared to Bitcoin, by the way. Not, I'm probably exaggerating, but like I don't know, hundred x compared to Bitcoin or whatever, and. Um, and you miss out on that, and you're still saying that the the that the ICO investors have been scammed. Like, uh, I think you know, <laughs> I think if they're up 100x, it's very hard to say they were scammed. Anyways, um, putting that aside, so so yeah, I think Vitalik had this blog post, 
And it was all about how Bitcoin maximalists who are so-called people who will not, um, who oppose any cryptocurrency that isn't Bitcoin. I think that was pretty much his definition. And he went into great, great detail about why they are wrong. And I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think he was very fair in that blog post, to be honest. But anyway, people, people kind of adopted that term. Um, it started as a derogatory term and people adopted it, which is fine. It happens. Um, and I think that like this transition to toxic maximalism as a virtue probably started around, around 2017, probably related to the whole Segwit to X things and the wars around that. And people who weren't and there might not know, but yeah. And the ICOs too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people who weren't there might not know or might not remember, but things looked pretty grim back then for multiple reasons. Like, Sure, the Bitcoin price was going up, but at the same time, uh, the the it seemed like a lot of Bitcoin businesses were going to try to force a hard fork that most of the community did not want. Um, and there were a lot of ICOs that were true scams, like unlike the Ethereum ICO, which I think it's arguable. Um, some of the 2017 ICOs were completely like ridiculous. Um, you know, people would sell tokens for flying cars or whatever like it, it was completely absurd um the icos are actually so, what, and not to interrupt you but the icos are what kind of yeah. orange pilled me because I, my entry my entrance to bitcoin was through personal finance and st- and working at startups so like that's like where i was when i met bitcoin and um you know i didn't you know i i didn't get bitcoin only until i was looking at all these icos and i was like these are just shitty startups like, why are these <laughs> shitty startups making all this money? Like, I know what a shitty startup looks like. They're shit. You know, I've worked for them. Yeah. So I've worked for three of them at this point. Um, so, um, yeah. So I was like, I don't want to invest in these shitty startups. And then I started looking like, why not blockchain? And then, boom, Bitcoin maximalism. Right, right, right. And and I think the case for Bitcoin only was very strong back then because those shitty startups were very bad. There are, if they were, they were like, obviously terrible it was obviously people were not able to raise funds in any other way and also like it was obvious they're going to run off with the money because they could never achieve the things that they're promised like it was you know it was things that are physically impossible so so yeah i mean back then there was a very strong case to say hey just don't touch any of this stuff um and and, and people who didn't touch any of the stuff probably did relatively well um but you know things <laughs> things change <laughs> but also i mean i i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is back then it was very relevant like in 2017 there was the segwit 2x thing there was the icos there was all of this mess it made a lot of sense for people to be just hey all of this is shit don't look at it it's bad for you i think back then it was a reasonable response but the thing with those responses is you can't continue to respond in the same way to every everything that manifests itself in the world it's it's it it fits certain things but not everything so you know things are different now like we don't first of all most importantly i think bitcoin doesn't face the the threats of the kind that it did then so the kind of threats that we had back then were from people who understood bitcoin and chose to go against it 
um, or chose to have different goals, different values, different whatever they chose to do. I mean, they, they kind of went head on against Bitcoin, right? You had like Bitcoin forks that tried to like, you had Bcash that tried to say, hey, we're better Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin Diamond and Bitcoin whatever and Bitcoin SV and all of those forks. Um, they went head on against Bitcoin. Um, and, and I think when you have someone who knows what's going on and they choose to attack Bitcoin head on, then it makes sense to not be super friendly to this person because he's not, you know, he doesn't care anyway. Um, but things now are different. Like, you know, the perceived attacks that people see, I, I, I think they're very different now. Like people, you know, um, you see people whose first cryptocurrency is Dogecoin, for example. And it's very silly, but it is what it is. And they like it. And I, I mean, I, I can't, they don't like it because they hate Bitcoin. They like it because it has a dog. And because Elon Musk is talking about it and because it makes them feel good about themselves. That's great. I mean, and it makes them money. So all of those are good reasons. I don't, I just don't see it in the same way that things were in 2017. So the whole like toxic maximalism response doesn't seem to really be a good fit now because like those people are not your enemies. So and if you're going to make them enemies, then who's left? <laughs> if you're going to make everyone your enemy, then who's who's left to join Bitcoin exactly? Yeah, uh, I went out, there's a back and forth between me and American HODL. Um, and he was pretty much like calling on the SEC to take down Raul Paul, who's in the Cayman Islands using jurisdictional arbitrage to, you know, protect himself and shill shit coins, right? Uh, and whatever else right. he does in the Cayman Islands, right? You know, tax haven, all the other benefits of living, you know, on an island nation that probably in other ways kind of sucks, but you're sacrificing in order to, uh, uh, in, I mean, you know, it's probably <laughs> a pretty rich guy doing pretty well. He's probably living a great life, but, you know, making some sacrifices to uh, to get those benefits. And as a Bitcoiner, I see jurisdictional arbitrage as like, this is what Bitcoin enables. Bitcoin lets the whole world have jurisdictional arbitrage. Uh, and like, that's the whole point. So then when I see him saying like, oh, SEC, take him down. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, and I'm like, hey, it's like, are you anti-state or are you anti-shitcoin? Like, for me, it's like, I'm firmly anti-state. And that's why I'm like, okay, like how can shitcoins help this anti-state uh, motion, right? This, uh, this freedom uh, agenda. And that's why, you know, I'm not calling on the SEC to take down <laughs> you know, Ralph Paul or other, let's say, you know, or, yeah. or CZ or whatever. Um, cause that's kind of like my perspective. Uh, you know, how are, how do Bitcoiners get stuck, you know, losing the plot and, and using and kind of like forgetting that it, it's the state and it's like these kind of larger institutions of control that are actually the enemy, not, you know, some probably harmless shitcoin, even though it probably will wreck some newbie. That's the price of education, in my opinion. But yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, different people probably have like different, um, you know, different worldviews. I'm not sure everyone agrees that the state is the enemy. But um, I, I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I think that Bitcoin is a tool to, to free people and to let people, you know, do free enterprise. But um, Maybe some people don't see that way. I don't. I, I don't know. But 
but yeah, I think, you know, you, you get to see that sometimes. Like people completely, I don't know if they forgot or they um, lost the plot, as you say. Um, but they like, yeah, that, that like Bitcoin is the main goal. I don't see Bitcoin as the main goal to anything. Like it's, it's a great tool. I think, I think it solves a lot of problems. I think it's great. I think it would be very bad if it ceases to exist, which it probably won't at this point. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not the goal of uh, humanity. And, and I think freedom is, is more important. Happily, Bitcoin is a very important tool in achieving freedom. Um, and probably most shit coins are not like, you know, if you, if you're going to buy Doge, I don't think you're going to become a freer person. <laughs> um, but you might make some money. And maybe if you, you might lose some money, but you also might make some money. And if you make some money, maybe you convert it to Bitcoin. And, um, and then good for you. But yeah, I think that, you know, you see that with so many things like Ripple, right? Ripple is being uh, sued and, and you see many people who hope for the SEC to like, you know, destroy Ripple, whatever. I'm like, I, I hope they don't. Like, and as far as I'm concerned, the best outcome would be that the SEC, like, you know, make a, an apology video on YouTube <laughs> and says, we're sorry that you sued Ripple. That was a mistake. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best. Like, thing can you imagine that reality? Wow. <laughs> that would be a great timeline. Um, so, yeah, yeah, my take is that. So, yeah, my response is like, one, the SEC is incompetent. And they can't even take down Ripple, which is in the right. U.S., which is obvious security right. fraud, just because Ripple has this community of supporters and can pretty much hire former SEC, um, you know, high right. ups to work for Ripple and fight against it. Uh, and it's just uh, it just shows how weak the SEC is. Uh, you know, again, my take yeah. would be like there's Bitcoin and then there's the Hydra of shit. And the Hydra of shit, aka all the altcoins, is like a DDoS on these uh, these regulators. And the SEC can't even handle like they're 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 freezing up. They can't even handle like the yeah. lowest hanging fruit. Like from the ICO, like what came of that? So many ICOs got away with it. Like the majority, the yeah. vast majority True. of ICOs got away with it. Like it just showed like how incompetent these regulators are and how little bandwidth they have to deal with this shit. All right, let's take a quick break from that episode. I want to tell you guys about our sponsor. It is Bitcoin 2022 conference. I am sure you saw the videos. You may have been there in person. Bitcoin 2021 was an absolute smashing success. It was the biggest conference in Bitcoin history, crypto history, whatever history of the digital asset sphere. Bitcoin is number one and the Bitcoin 2021 conference is number one with a bullet. It was an absolutely incredible time. I was working my ass off the whole time, but I got to meet so many incredible community members. And I think the best testament to how amazing Bitcoin 2021 was, was not just all of the amazing, you know, accolades and, uh, and compliments that I got personally and our team got, but also it's the skin in the game in Bitcoin 2022. We have already sold close to 1500 tickets. That is more than 10% of the people, everyone who went to Bitcoin 2021 have already purchased tickets to Bitcoin 2022. We have not released a date. We have not released a city. We have not released anything. That is the biggest compliment. That is the biggest skin in the game of the community being down for this conference. 
Bitcoin 2022 is going to be bigger than Bitcoin 2021. It is going to be better than Bitcoin 21 in every single way. And we are going to be bringing you the best opportunity to mingle with the biggest, the baddest, the most Bitcoin people on the planet. So join the revolution. Go to b.tc forward slash conference. Get your tickets today. I don't know what the ticket prices are. They are going up. I think they're $249 right now. We just rolled out fiat ticket uh, purchases. All the tickets purchased before today were all purchased in BTC. So get it, guys. Get it. Get this ticket. Be at Bitcoin 2022. See you there. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you guys about the Deep Dive. The Deep Dive is a new premium newsletter from the Bitcoin Magazine team in conjunction with my man, BTCization, Dylan LeClaire. Dylan is such a multifaceted and wide-ranging analyst. He does everything from on-chain analytics to macro uh, analysis to uh, you know hash rate and all that kind of good stuff. He does it all. He breaks down everything that's happening every single day with his daily dive. He's going to dive into what is happening in the market that day. So that way, you don't have to pay attention to Twitter. You don't have to pay attention to anything else. You can just pay attention to the deep dive, and he has you covered. And at the end of the week, guess what? You get a weekly recap. And at the end of the month, hey, we have a freaking report, a beautiful PDF breaking down all the activity of that entire month, what it means for Bitcoin, what you can expect moving forward. The Bitcoin market is going to moon. We are here to make sure that we maximize your stack. Go to members.bitcoinmagazine.com to sign up today. And if you use promo code BITS, you can get one month for free. So again, the deep dive, I've been checking it out every day and you should too. Back to the show. True, true. And I think, you know, there's something probably about uh, when investing in Bitcoin, kind of you, probably part of your investment thesis is going to be that governments are going to try and authorities are going to try to shut down everything else. Like you, because Bitcoin is built to be resilient. That's one of its strongest points. The, the, one of the things that Bitcoin does best is be resilient and be uh, resistant to, 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 sorry, to censorship. Um, that's like what Bitcoin does best. So if you're, you know, if you're investing in Bitcoin, you're kind of betting on censorship being a problem, kind of saying, I believe that censorship is going to increasingly become an issue and Bitcoin is going to help people to fight against that. So that's my investment thesis. And then if the SEC proves to be completely incompetent and they're not fighting off anything, then that hurts your investment thesis. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, so that's maybe bad for your investment. Bitcoin is also good for other things, but that might, might be bad for your investment. But it's good for the world, obviously. I mean, it's obviously good, right? Like if there's less censorship to fight, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's, you know, people seem to be like, oh no, they stopped censoring things. What will be with my Bitcoin? I mean, okay. <laughs> so, but isn't that what we wanted? Like, Sure, we, well, we, we bet it on, we, you know, you put yourself in this place when you bet, bet on, on a dystopian future and then the dystopian future doesn't happen and you're sad. <laughs> like that's, 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 not, that's not a good position to be in. So I would say, you know what, actually Bitcoin is good for other things too. And it's great if the SEC allows innovation, even if some of it is obviously scammy. 
Um, but it's great. The SEC allows innovation. Dude, but also, you know... The SEC allows fiat yeah. to exist and all the fiat businesses to exist, True. which are pretty much all scams. Like, have you ever... You're True. you're in you're in uh, Israel, but in the U.S., if you ever deal with a telecom giant, it's a scam. Like AT and T, like they're like, oh, here's a free iPhone. You go, and then they just try. They repeatedly try to scam you, and over and over again, just to get this like, you know, thing. Like right. the whole fiat system is a scam. So the SEC is not good at preventing scams or protecting investors. <laughs> they perpetually yeah. fail at that. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. They can't. They can't win this, right? They're built to allow the, the scam to continue, and uh, yeah. So, so it's it's a good thing that they're not doing a good job, right? <laughs> so, so we shouldn't be sad about that. And and Bitcoin is good at a lot of other things other than subverting the SEC. So that's not you. You can still you can still be bullish on Bitcoin and not have to be bullish on the SEC. Um, just maybe need to adjust your perception a bit. So, I mean, in your opinion, what, like, cause everyone's trying to like seek truth. It's trying to have like the, you know, maybe not everyone, but at least it seems like you are, it seems like I am like, we're trying to hone in on like what is really happening here. Like, w- you know, when you look at this ecosystem as a whole, like, can you try to articulate, you know, what, what you kind of see? Um, well, it's it it almost kind of depends on the point in time. Um, I would say right now, uh, in a bull market, and maybe we don't call this a bull market anymore, but um, there's definitely a lot of interest in this market right now. So in that kind of scenario, there's a war going on because a lot of people there's a, there's a lot of interest, but it's not infinite there's people are giving the space attention and all of these projects are fighting over this attention because they want as much money to go into their thing and not into other things so it's just an all-out war right now um and if you look at this mess at this point in time it's it's very easy to be cynical and say like okay this is all bullshit um and it kind of is <laughs> but it, but that that's just because this huge influx of money right now um and there's no other way you know people have talked about the uh um the bitcoin speculative attack and hyper bitcoinization um this is this is what it looks like not it's not possible for 100% to go into bitcoin there's going to be like there's going to be a ton of money flying around and everyone's going to want their piece and everyone's going to fight over those uh those infinite dollars but they're not the thing is they're not infinite they're they're inflating but there is a limited amount so there is a finite amount of it so people are going to fight over it it's not like everyone can have infinite dollars so people are going to fight over it like it's not this is what it looks like it's not going to be like oh everyone just caves in (laughs) and buys bitcoin this isn't how it works eventually i think that um more and more people will understand that this is the safest asset to store their value with. Um, but you don't like, it's not like, okay, there's been like inflation for 12 months. So everyone just, okay, I'm going to just buy Bitcoin. That's it. It's not, it's not how anything works. Like people are going to compete over this stuff. This is how it works. This is, you know, this is life. So, so this is why, you know, 
th- those mar- this, those kind of market conditions are so um, obscene sometimes because they're very dramatic. Um, but it doesn't mean that you know things aren't happening. Like good things are happening. I think I think one of the biggest things that are happening is that you see people realizing that they cannot, they have to opt out of the fiat system. People see that. And they're buying all kinds of assets, not just Bitcoin. They're buying all kinds of assets. One of them is Bitcoin. They're also buying other assets. Some of them may be less sound than others. But that's like, in my opinion, that's clear, obvious progression. Like if you're someone who had all of their savings or maybe didn't have any savings, um, but it had all of them in dollars and now is shifting over to Dogecoin, then I mean, okay, we can argue about that choice, but I think it's better than just keeping dollars in your bank account. That's 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 better. That's a step in the right direction. So I think going to those people and saying, hey, you're idiots, it's not... <laughs> First of all, it's not true. I mean, the, you know, they're closer to the truth than they were a month ago or, or a year ago. So they're not idiots. They're like, by definition, they're layering. And also, like, I mean, they're doing well for themselves. So <laughs> very hard to call someone an idiot when he's up 50x in a year. Um, so, like, it's just not helpful. It's just not a helpful thing to do, I think. Like, it's just so different. I think people got stuck in this weird state of mind. So it's 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 like this response that we're used to, but it just clearly doesn't make sense anymore. It used to make sense when people like showed up, hey, we're going to use Bcash instead of Bitcoin. Then, you know, after they keep saying that for five months, then it makes sense to just say, you know what, you're an idiot and I'm done with this conversation. Because, because you know, it's over. And that makes sense. But when someone says, hey, I bought, I bought my first Dogecoin yesterday, and you tell them you're an idiot, <laughs> then they're, they're done with this conversation. They're never, they're never asking you about it again. Like, why, why, like, who did you help by calling them an idiot? Who's, who's being helped? Do you think you saved someone? Do you think, like, you didn't help anyone. And the worst thing you could have done which a lot of Bitcoiners did was in, in, in February or whatever, their best friend sends them a message. Hey, I heard you're into Bitcoin. Should I buy Doge? And they're like, no, don't buy it. It's a scam. Elon Musk is going to steal all your money. And then it proceeds to go up 20x in a month. Then you lost a friend, too. <laughs> like, who are you helping? Like, you know, if you don't know, you can say, I don't know. That's a, that's a reasonable answer. You don't have to be like so confident about you know, what the future holds about things that you don't know anything about. I don't know what's going to happen with Dogecoin tomorrow. I think it's very possible that it goes much lower, but I don't know that. I'm not going to give anyone advice, you know, buy it. Who knows? I mean, do what you think. I just hope, um, you know, that we can reach those people and tell them about the benefits of Bitcoin. You know, do your gambling or do your investment, whatever you call that, do your thing. If it doesn't work out, then I'm sorry for you. If it does work out, great. So maybe take some of that, put in the best asset ever made, ever known to men. Maybe do that. Um, that's the approach I think we need to have. You know, measure your gains in BTC instead of measuring them in USD, which is useless. That's what I would do. 
Yeah, uh, I, 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 again, I tend to agree. Again, I agree with the maximalist, right? Someone out there shouting that altcoins were a scam back in 2017 did me a lot of justice. Like that did me a lot of good. So like, I think that there's a place in the world for it. But, um, you know, I, I, I just tend to agree that, you know, I, I see fiatism. That's like a, a mental operating system. And that's what 99% of the world is on. And then being a Bitcoiner, that's another mental operating system. And it completely changes everything about how you see the world. Like it's literally different. It's a, it's a different system of operating. And there's like, you have to, people need a bridge over. And sometimes altcoins are a nice, convenient way on that bridge over. Like it helps them get to that point. Um, it was it's Bitcoin, but with some person's bias or some whatever on top of it, and that just makes it maybe relatable to someone who's just not primed for Bitcoin quite yet. Uh, so, like, I don't right. know. Again, I feel like Bitcoiners should chill. Like, stop being so ang- anxious about Bitcoin's health and security, and just like it's gonna be fine. Like these network effects are gonna compound. For Bitcoin benefit, like everything is good for Bitcoin, guys. Did we forget this lesson? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And you see that, man. You see that. You see, you know, you see people who are buying their first altcoins probably now, and they never. Some of them never own Bitcoin. Uh, it doesn't happen super often, but it happens sometimes. You know, some of them don't own Bitcoin at all, but you see that they start they're starting to get the same ideas and i think if they do then that's going to lead them or at least some of them to bitcoin um so that's good that's a good thing it's not bad and you know there's like people are like saying well if altcoins didn't exist then no one would ever buy them and everyone would only buy bitcoin and no money will ever be lost to altcoins ever and that's why altcoins are bad. But I mean, that's A, that's not true. <laughs> because if, if, you know, if Doge didn't exist, then some people would just buy GameStop stocks instead. And, um, and B, um, you know, the problem is, yes, some people will buy altcoins and lose money, but also some people would never even become Bitcoiners without altcoins. And I know a lot of people like that. They started with some altcoin and that was their kind of gateway drug. Maybe they lost money. Some of them lost money. Some of them made money. Some of them lost money. But um, out of both of those groups, probably, yeah, probably. But out of both of those groups, some people just found their way into Bitcoin later. Um, so I, I don't even think they're like net negatives. They're like, you know, it is what it is. That's markets, man. Like those things are going to exist. And it's fair. I think it's very reasonable to say something like, hey, um, you know, Dogecoin uh, has some issues. And I keep saying Dogecoin just because it's funny. You know, there are other, like I could say, I could easily say Cardano. I just think that. (laughs) Doge Doge is the least offensive shit coin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's let's stick with Doge. (laughs) <laughs> i agree um so you know someone's like it's very reasonable to if if you want to you know if if someone's your friend right and you want to help them out then it's very reasonable that you will approach them and you will explain the difference between doge and bitcoin and um and you know and you will say hey uh 
you know, one of the cool things about Bitcoin is that no one controls it. No one can change it. And you don't have to like be frightened about what someone might tweet. And you don't have to be frightened about how someone might change it tomorrow. Um, that's like something you can explain to people if you want. But here's the thing. You would usually do that. Like that's, you know, that's something you would usually do for someone you care about, like a friend, like family. Um, I find it very odd that people seem to be very inclined to do that for strangers online. <laughs> like how many, like, it's, it's just so weird. Like people claim that they do that in order to save people from scams. Do, do you see how people say that sometimes? Like the reason that I'm being toxic, that's a common response. To save people. I'm trying to help them. And it's like, it's so weird. Like it's, it's a person you've never met. You don't know, like how many times do you ever see that happen in the world that someone just randomly wants to help someone? They want to save them from like, you know, you don't randomly see people say, hey, uh, I looked into your photo uh, that you shared of your dinner and I have some dietary recommendations for you. Like you don't do that. <laughs> if you don't know the person, like what? Who, what that's such an odd claim. To be like, oh, I'm altruistic. I'm trying to save this person. No, probably not. Probably you have an investment and you're kind of married to it. So you're being a dick about it online. That's probably what's going on. I wouldn't call that being altruistic. Um, like, you know, if you don't care about this person, I would say that the best response is to ignore him. If someone shows up and says something and you don't care about it, just ignore it. That's what usually people do when, the, when they don't care about something. But the, to pretend that you're being altruistic and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to save 100 million people on Twitter um, today. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. I don't buy that. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of unreasonable. The, the, the um, funny thing about this conversation is this is coming from the person who invented half fun saying. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Well, I mean, I always... I was very clear about it. The point of have fun staying poor is not actually to help anyone. <laughs> it's not an altruistic meme. The point is actually, I, like the way I always use it is to reply to actual billionaires on Twitter and tell them to have fun staying poor when they're attacking Bitcoin. Um, it's supposed to be A, funny, and two, kind of shock the person who sees it. And it works pretty well at that. Because um, I've, I, you know, we've all seen like multiple actual billionaires who have like thousands of replies. But when someone tells them to have fun saying poor, they freak out. <laughs> they have a billion dollars in their bank account. But when someone tells them to have fun saying poor, they lose their minds. So the goal is not to help them. <laughs> the goal is to like, hey, um, it, it's it's actually like there's this Satoshi quote where he says, um, if you don't believe me um, or don't get it, I'm sorry, but I don't have the time to explain it to you. And that's like, I think that's a very good approach in general to people you disagree with online. Just, hey, you know what? I don't have time for this, but have fun staying poor. You're wrong. <laughs> that's it. Um, as opposed to pretending to trying to save their life, <laughs> you know? So I think that it, I think it's actually kind of consistent 
in my own weird way. My own special way. Before we get back to the episode, I want to tell you guys about Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin Magazine is the oldest publication covering Bitcoin, and we've been covering Bitcoin since 2012. Y'all, I'm so proud to be working for Bitcoin Magazine. We spend all day trying to scour the internet for the top news, the top plebs, the top subjects, conversations, everything that has to do with BTC, the asset, BTC, the culture, BTC, the revolution. We are here for it. We are here for BTC and BTC only, and we want to give back to the Bitcoin community. Hit us up if you want to contribute, and uh, yeah, go follow us on Twitter. Go uh, subscribe to this podcast. Go follow us on YouTube. All of the places that you can find Bitcoin Magazine, we are there. Instagram, Reddit, everywhere. We're there. We're there. Follow us for the best Bitcoin knowledge. Back to the episode. My take on have fun staying poor is that one, it's very shocking, especially if you say to someone <laughs> in person. <laughs> but two, um, you know, it's an insult. It's something that slaps someone in the face, but it's also how you stack the most sats. So it's actually great advice, which is like, have fun staying poor and stack sats <laughs> and just like live the cheapest you possibly can. And accumulate as That's much true. as possible. So at some point, it's I didn't like, actually you know, think it, are of you it just giving way. them advice? Yeah. I didn't think of it. That, that, that's very true. That's very true. It's the best way to stack sets. Like, you know how people say that every Bitcoin they ever spent, they regret it? Um, well, actually, like every cent I ever spent, I regret it not using it to buy Bitcoin. It's not even like, it's not even spending Bitcoin. Like every Every cent I ever spent was a mistake. <laughs> Each and every one. <laughs> I should have bought Bitcoin instead. Like I'm thinking back now, like, hey, did I really need to have like to rent an apartment with like a bedroom? Couldn't I just sleep on the couch? Like, was it worth it? <laughs> really? When you think about how much how much potential Bitcoin you spend on that. So yeah. You're, you're totally right about that. To stop spending completely. <laughs> this, is how the, this is how the conversation comes full circle with um, just owning nothing <laughs> and owning Bitcoin. See, the only issue with well, Bitcoin is that you can't live in it. <laughs> that is true. Well, but you see, you can have other investments. So here's the thing. You, you probably what you want to do, and I think... I didn't, I didn't have a chance to talk to about to talk to a few people about that. You know, I think that a lot of people. Um, I know it's it's true for me in a way. I think, and I think it's true for a lot of other people too. Bitcoin was kind of like their first actual investment in anything um, for a lot of people, um, and they you know they kind of learned what risk is through Bitcoin, and they kind of learned like what ownership is. Um, and now they're like associating those things with Bitcoin, even though like, you know, you can own other things. <laughs> it's not like the mistake is to only have dollars or to not have anything. That's a mistake. That's something that you want to avoid. Um, once you get past that, then, you know, there are multiple things you can do. It doesn't have to be Bitcoin only. Um, you know, like if, just have fun if you chose, a, yeah, 
exactly. Just do that. Just just consume less and own more. That's 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 a very good start. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things about Bitcoin which makes it super palatable to be invested in to someone who's never invested in anything. And that's why I'm glad that like the UX around Bitcoin is evolving from like a brokerage account to like uh, a Venmo style payments app. Like I think that that evolution is really going to make Bitcoin way more accessible and approachable because like most people don't have a brokerage account, especially globally, right. yet alone like in the developed world. Right. Um, right. Only Americans really have easy access to American equities. And then on top of that, only a small percentage of them, you know, even own them, let alone interface with a brokerage account. So why does Coinbase look like a fucking brokerage account? Like it needs to look like Venmo because everyone has that. Right. It needs to look like PayPal. And that's what's what's happening. So I'm excited for that. And, you know, there are a lot of things about Bitcoin that make it like investable to a, a young or new investor. And that's important because right. we need to get people out of dollars. Exactly, exactly. And you see, that's a very good approach to have, I think. To be like, hey, you know, there are those people, we need to meet them where they are in order to be attractive and then just in order to be accessible, really. And um, and that's a very different approach than saying, hey, new guy, hey, new kid, you're an idiot. <laughs> if, you <don't> get, <laughs> if you don't get it, then you're an idiot. <laughs> If you can't use like the, the brokerage or if you can't buy Bitcoin without KYC on, on, on BESC, then sorry to tell you that, but you're an idiot. So just not going to make it and goodbye. So I think, and, and I mean, fine. I mean, you want to have that approach. You can, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a free world. You can do whatever you want, but, uh, but then don't be surprised that they're going to go to other things <laughs> because, <laughs> That's probably what they're gonna choose. So I agree with you. It's great that you know some some companies are taking this direction. Um, and then you know, like, and then you learn about it, right? You buy some Bitcoin through Cash App or whatever, and maybe like it's not the most cypherpunk way to own Bitcoin, sure. But then you know you bought it. Maybe then goes up like twenty uh, percent, and then you starting to get excited. And you go learn about it. And then maybe the next Bitcoin you acquire, you're going to acquire it in a different way. Like, it's a process. You don't, you don't, you don't, bo- you, d- you don't get born as a Bitcoin maximalist. Like, it, it takes time. It's fine. We, we need to be accepting of the process, I think. Yeah. No, I agree that it's a process. And it's been fun hashing it out with you, Udi. Uh, again, it seems like we agree more than we disagree. Um, so Unfortunately. Uh, I'm yeah. used to disagreeing with people. Yeah, it doesn't make for a spicy podcast, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> generally speaking, you know, I think we're both still very bullish on Bitcoin. Uh, you know, maybe even more bullish than the average toxic maximalist uh, because they seem to want to baby Bitcoin a little bit more than uh, than we do. <laughs> Everyone loves predictions, yeah. or, and and the person that gets put on the spot for predictions hates it, but. You know, to close this one out, like, <laughs> is this bull market over? Like, what, what, what do you see upon the horizon here, Udi? Oh man, <laughs> I do hate it. Yeah, um, that's a great question. Who knows? I'll probably think the opposite in a week anyway. So, so really, who knows? Um, I think you know, 
if here's what I'll say, if you're lucky enough to be interested in Bitcoin now, then you're lucky. And what you need to do is to continue being interested, continue to learn about it, continue to probably over time, if it fits you, then probably over time, continue stacking sats too. Um, over time, you're, gonna, you, you're lucky. You're one of the lucky ones who understand, who are interested, who are already in. And what you want is to stay, you know, you want to have time in the market. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how to time the market. You want to have time in the market. And you have the opportunity to do that if you're listening to podcasts like this one. So just the mistake that you, you're going to do is if you're going to be like, okay, the bubble is over. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. That's, that's a mistake. Don't be one of those people. They always regret it. They always regret it. All right, that was a cop out of uh, of a prediction, but at the same time, very yes. very good advice. I can get behind that again. Um, next time I have you on the podcast, I will find a contentious subject, which I'm sure won't be that hard for us <laughs> to uh, butt heads at. But until then, Udi, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks uh, for anyone who wants the displeasure of following you on Twitter. Uh, what where can they do that? Just don't do that. Just close the app. Go outside. <laughs> you're not gonna spell my name correctly anyway you'll end up following some fake Udi so just don't we'll, we'll put his uh, his handle in the show notes <laughs> y'all yeah. give us five star reviews follow me at ck underscore snarks follow bitcoin magazine at bitcoin magazine holler at me if you have some good content you want to get published uh, we're trying to put out the best voices in bitcoin uh, and yeah until then peace A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.